Hey, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole, and I've recently been exploring the genre of the space opera. And I'm Chelsea, a lover of any fantasy novel with a strong female lead and a new mom who is still, probably forever, desperately searching for time to read. When he learns to read, you may, like you can read side by side. Maybe. I mean, I read a lot of children's books right now. Yeah, if you were counting those, you would have read hundreds this year. Yeah, if you want to read The Old Truck by Jerome and Jarrett Pumphrey, it's a really great children's book. I've read it probably a hundred times this week. <laughs> and it's only Thursday. It's fine. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about our 69th book but before we get into it what else have you been reading lately um i've been reading a book called the woman they could not silence and it is about um it's by kate moore yes yeah um it is about the woman who wrote radium girls uh and i really liked radium girls but i had to stop because it was too much because radium girls was really graphic in the like way that those women's bodies were poisoned and fell apart quite literally. Um, But this one is really interesting because it's about the life of Elizabeth Packard, who was a woman's rights advocate in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And she um, advocated for women who had been put in asylums because they were quote unquote insane, but it was really just that they were outspoken. Oh, and so that it's really, really good. And she was put in an asylum. Um, and so it's really interesting. I've been reading it pretty slowly because it's it's pretty thick, but it's super good. Yeah, that's definitely on my to read list. I loved Radium Girls. That sounds really good. Yeah. What about you? Um, I recently read uh, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Hmm. So this is one of the books that set off my space opera thing. And it's the beginning of a first book in a quartet of books all set in the same universe, but not, but all, all could stand alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and together as a unit, they won the Hugo. Oh, okay. Uh, a few years ago for best series. And um, it's so good. The first book, The Long Road to a Small Angry Planet, is about a bunch of people on a spaceship that are different species, humans, and then a bunch of different ones. And then they're like kind of it's kind of like basically like a bunch of star trek episodes all these like they're making a long journey across space and these like adventures that happen along the way and then the other books split off from it like and take like a side character from the first book and give you more of their story um and they're so good they're really like lighthearted and fun but the world is really well realized oh cool uh and my favorite one is the third book which is called uh the record of a space the space born few and in this universe, humanity, you know, Earth is destroyed. So the rich people on way in the past, Earth was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Humanity, um, the rich people go and make a colony on Mars and everybody else is left on Earth and they can't afford to go to Mars. So they build these giant homesteader ships that they're going to live on for generations. And thousands of people live on leave on Earth on these ships all together. They're called the Exodus Fleet. Uh-huh. And they're just going out to space. And they don't even know if anybody else is out there. But they have nowhere else to go. And they can't stay on Earth because it's not habitable cool. anymore. And so for generations, they just sailed out. And after like four or five generations, they made contact with aliens. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's about now in that book is set like two or three hundred years after they've had contact with like this existing galactic community or whatever and it's about how humanity is like the people who are st- people are still living on those ships they're just not traveling anymore uh-huh. and um but the whole idea of about how humanity like entered um 
community with these other species and like what happened when earth ended was so fascinating and good and like i'm like i'm like thinking it's been i probably read it three weeks ago and i'm thinking about it when i fall asleep they're so good um yeah i just i can't stop talking about them and it's not one that i think many people i know would be into because it's very Uh sci-fi um but i love them and i'm so and i'm like want to explore this genre more because of it nice but sadly the author said she's not going to write anymore in this universe because she has new stuff to write um which would probably be good too but i'm still sad about it you're like keep going (laughs) all right well what did we actually read this week for the uh, podcast? This read this week we read Steppenwolf by Herman Hess, which I did not write down what year this came out. Um, nineteen twenty six, I think. Which came out in nineteen twenty six originally I in think. German. Twenty six mm-hmm. or twenty seven, I yeah. think. Originally in German. Um, and it's a pretty short one, just a little over two hundred pages. If yep. you could do, explain this book in one word, what would you say? I said hedonism. Um, and I'll talk about why in a minute. And I said enlightenment. So that's great because they're totally opposite words. Um, Our quick plot is that a middle-aged, depressed man rediscovers himself after meeting an unusual young woman. Yeah. Um, And I guess let's talk about why we chose the words first. So I don't actually think that the character in this book, in the book, is hedonistic. But I think that um, while he's trying to figure out what he wants, he spends a lot of time ruminating on like what he's doing to try and find pleasure. Um, and there is a lot of like sex and drugs and things in that. Um, I don't think though that it's just like pleasure for pleasure's sake, but it, it does, um, some of his acts, if they were taken out of context of his journey would look very hedonistic. Yes. And I chose enlightenment because at the beginning of this book, there's an author's note that he wrote in the sixties which is shortly before he died, the Mm -hmm. author died in the 60s. And he said, you know, this is one of his most popular books. And in the 60s, it was picked up as like by the counterculture Mm -hmm. because of all these hedonistic things uh, in it. And but he thinks that people have profoundly misunderstood Mm -hmm. the book because they've latched onto the character and his, um, I don't know, negative qualities, his his sadness, his disaffection with society. Um, But actually, the author believes the book is about healing. Mm-hmm. and um and so i that's like the first page and then i read the book and i had that in mind and uh and i just there's a deeply spiritual component to these books um and that's why i chose the word enlightenment and you know when we had this book as the next book uh, i thought to myself Chelsea's not going to like it because it's from the 1920s and both of us have a tendency but especially you to not like books from the 1920s and so i'm here to say that i loved this book i loved it i devoured it i like i i wrote things down i journaled (laughs) it was a whole thing um so i'm curious to hear how you did feel about it in the end i didn't hate it like i hate most 1920s books i didn't love it i didn't i i would like say like i moderately enjoyed it okay like, but that's good for me for a 1920s book. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the plot a little bit more. So you've got this guy, mm-hmm. um, Henry Herman. Henry Haller. Henry Haller. And he's 50-ish, and he lives alone, and he's like kind of like lost all his connections in life. And mm-hmm. he used to be a, a pretty famous intellectual, but he lost all of his support because he came out as anti-war in the like um, between the wars Germany and his wife left him his wife left him and and he's depressed and he and he 
and he's like knows kind of in his heart that he's inching towards committing suicide. There's a lot about suicide in this book, so there's a lot um, of suicide content, content warning as well. Yeah, yeah. and um, and then he meets this woman who's younger than him, and uh, and Herm- Hermina, Hermine. He calls her. Interestingly enough, and I listened to it on audiobook, uh, audiobook, and he calls her Hermione. Oh, okay. Hermione. Which I was like, Hermione Granger. <laughs> Not like Hermione Granger. Yeah, and she's like young and she's a flapper and she's, and, and, um, and so she like, they connect and, they're not lovers, but she like she's like gonna basically like I'm gonna teach you how to live and teach you you don't mm-hmm. take any pleasure in life and I'm gonna teach you to find pleasure in dancing and drinking and partying and just being a little bit lighter and, and not always just having deep intellectual thoughts about sad things. Um, and it changes him and he grows and then the book culminates in a big scene where he enters this magic theater where he goes into these different rooms in this theater and there's like magical things happening and they're each kind of confronting a part of his personality mm-hmm. or his like deepest desires. So it has sort of a magical realism, mystical part of it. Um, and then the book kind of ends where it's like, Oh, he's made these changes, but it like, it hasn't solved everything, but he's in the middle of the journey. Like at least that's how, how I yeah, took it. And this does fall into um, the trope of a book within a book yes two books in a row (laughs) um so the way this book which is important so it kind of just ends but you know he doesn't end up committing suicide because the first chapter after the author the original author's note is from the viewpoint of another of someone who lived at the boarding house that he lived in um who found his work after he left or disappeared um, and found a work that he had written. So this is supposed to be um, what Haller has written about himself, essentially, that is now being published by this other person. And this other person says, I can't think of his name because he's not really important. Um, This other person says, uh, I don't think he's dead. I think he's moved on and is living his life. Um, And so it's a book within a book. And then within his book, there's also a book about the Steppenwolf. So <laughs> yeah, that, all that is, when you say it like that, is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it doesn't feel ridiculous when you're, I, I listen to it on audiobook and I could still follow it. Oh, um, so, but yeah, so it doesn't seem, it, it feels like it ends on a note where he has found a way to find some pleasure in his life again, um, where he doesn't feel like he's reached the end of his life anymore, even yeah. though it doesn't really have a conclusion. Yeah. And I think the reason that <clears throat> so this author is really famous for uh, being a Western man who was deeply invested in Eastern philosophies. And there's a lot of that. And there's a lot. And, and so this is um, it's a spiritual book in that sense. And um, I think the reason that it resonated with me is that I think out of all the books we've read so far from the 1920s, they're all trying to capture the same thing, the like spirit of the times in the 1920s in the Western world and the, the angst of it and, like, the devastation of World War One, and how that affected people and, like, the unknown future and feeling like it's going to happen again. And and I think this the book es- does it. And the establishment of a middle class where it's not just yes. work. Yeah. There you um, Not everybody is focused on just staying alive. There's that, like, now people have time for pleasure. Yes. Kind yeah. of stuff and figuring that out. Yeah, and that women have slightly more freedom mm-hmm. than they had in the past in some places. And um, I think this book captures that better than all the others or at least it appeals more to me because it has hope in it 
it's not it's not all those things and it's horrible and all we if you're truly engaged all you can do is think about it and be sad and that that's what it means to be an engaged person this book has hope at its heart and i think that's why it stood out to me i mean i still thought it was kind of depressing but again i liked it better than any of the other examples we've read well and it's about like a man who's living in a time where he knows that Germany is only the 1920s and Germany is marching towards mm-hmm. mili- being militarized again. And it feels inevitable because so many people are just totally on board with it. Like they've completely forgotten all the devastation of World War One, And we're living in a time where there's a lot of shit going down. Uh, and it's very hard to know how to engage and care and be pissed off about it and how to have a happy life and how to find meaning Mm -hmm. like these are these are very relevant questions for us right now and so I think in the last couple of years I feel like I've been thinking a lot about like what do you how do you live a good life when it feels like everything else is going Mm -hmm. to shit and a lot of it is about the things it talks about in the book to me like um make the good that you can where you're at enjoy the things that are really enjoyable be present you know, no matter what's on the news, don't focus so much on the bad news that you don't live, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so I, I think this book, uh, translates really well to our time. Not that I'm hoping that we're going to have World War Three or whatever horrible disaster, but we're living in a, in a similar tension. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I, you always just read so much better into like the political climate of books than I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, yeah. And I didn't, I will say, uh, I didn't think that this book was as, uh, I feel like a lot of 1920s books either try and be like this, like very, very fancy, (laughs) or they try and appeal to like the lower section by like being very like vulgar, vulgar in a way that is just like, it seems like they're doing it for show. Um, and I didn't feel like this did either of those things, which was nice. I felt like. It was making a point about what the 1920s probably felt like as an as an older person who had already lived life in the before mm-hmm. and was now living life in the after yeah. of World War Two or World War One and what it was like to try and be finding a place and um, how that would work. I also think um, this would be an interesting book to read when you're in your 50s and you feel like the majority yeah. of your life has maybe especially back then so maybe now would be like read it in your 60s like the majority of your life has been lived um and what do you actually have the show for it and how do you find moments in that um but yeah I think I found the um like suicidal ideation stuff hard to read um it's not it's not like triggering for me like I'm not someone who sits with that like as something in my life but like I just didn't I don't know. It just, it felt icky to me. Um, I didn't enjoy that, which made that hard, harder sections of the book. Yeah. Um, but overall I'm saying like, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree about this suicidal ideation stuff. It, it, um, that didn't feel very real to me. Like the way people really feel when they're thinking Mm -hmm. about suicide. I, I've never read a book that I think, actually seems realistic about that um this feels a little bit like a fantastical version of it 
the author in their forward said that they think that one of the reasons that the book was misunderstood is because it was read often by young people, but mm-hmm. really it should be read by people at his age because he was writing it to, to grapple with what it meant to be middle-aged. And I think we're in like a weird in-between state where like we can get some of that but not quite all of it yet. Yeah. Like we're not in our early twenties trying to understand this book. Like, you know, um, and so, yeah, I thought that that was good. Um, I do see how someone, which is why I chose the word hedonism. I do see how someone who is reading it just like on a surface level without an understanding of like how you might try and place yourself in the world or how you might, um, do things that are like, solely for your pleasure not because you're like just like I want to do whatever the fuck I want but rather because you're trying to figure out how it is to feel pleasure again and how it is to feel alive again Mm -hmm. um but I do see if you hadn't lived enough life (laughs) to like have understood why that might be something that you need to do how you could see this book as that yeah so that's why I chose that as the word totally um I have a couple of passages I wanted to talk about um this one is from uh, the beginning part where the guy is like saying he found the manuscript mm-hmm. um, and at the very end of that he um, he's talking about how he interpreted what, what you're about to read and he's saying um, that the main guy had told him this that um, they were talking about the so called horrors of the middle ages and that these horrors were really non-existent. A man of the Middle Ages would detest the whole mode of our present day life as something far more than horrible, far more than barbarous. Every year, every culture, every custom and tradition has its own character, its own weakness, and its own strength, its beauties and ugliness, uh, and accepts certain sufferings as a matter of course and puts up patiently with certain evils. Human life is reduced to real suffering to hell only when two ages and two cultures, two religions overlap. A man from the classical age who had to live in medieval times would suffocate miserably. Uh, so he's talking about how that generation between the wars was mm-hmm. stuck between the world was changing so quickly that they were stuck between two ideologies, two ways of living, and it made them all miserable. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that explains a lot of the 1920s writing. Yes. Yeah. And th- that's what all of those books are trying to capture. And I think it also plays to our modern times in the ways that like millennials mm-hmm. are belittled in the like general <laughs> press, you know, um, and made fun of. But it's, it's and not as to the extreme, I think, as that generation was, but we are like bridging the bridging gap. the gap between like two very different types of being adults, mm-hmm. um, which has been messy and complicated as a group. <laughs> yeah, I also um, you made me think of this because of that passage. This book talked a lot about like the idea of the Steppenwolf, which we didn't really touch on yet. No, is yeah. the, is <laughs> just the title? We is the, that. <laughs> the idea of um, like because there is a little bit of magical realism like in that pamphlet it's talking about like a man who has like a wolf inside him but it's really talking about like the duality and plurality just in general of us as humans and I loved um there was a scene that I thought was so interesting where um the main character he uh met saw someone he used to know from before before he was like had fallen from grace essentially. And, um, the man invited him to his house and in the scene, his internal monologue is about how like, Oh, I saw him and I fake it. And I turned on this other, this other part of myself. And I was like, yes, I'll come see you. And And then he immediately turns it back off. And so it was saying there was a quote, but I listened to it in audio. So I have a bit of something about like, um, 
how all humans are onions with infinite layers and infinite yes. like personalities. And so I, I, um, that is something I really actually did enjoy. Look, I enjoyed something in a 1920s book. <laughs> Amazing. Um, was the conversations and ruminations about the, the multiplicity of the human experience and yeah. how like each person is actually different people depending on the situation. Yeah. And I feel like, the way that that was described, like how it feels to feel like you're faking it. And you like, that is so realistic mm-hmm. uh, and so human. And, and I think that theme that he, he just thought, Oh, I've got the good parts of me and the bad parts of me, the wolf. Mm-hmm. And that nobody can really be that, or you're not that all the time. You're, you're who you are is not set in stone. Yeah. It's always in flux and it depends on the situation and you shouldn't be so hard on yourself, basically. Um, that's a huge part of it. That ties into the next part I was going to read. Um, and, and where he's he's talking to... They also refer a lot in the book to the immortals, basically. Like, people who've transcended this... Uh, people from the past who transcended this, like, daily struggle of, like, figuring out who you are. And, yeah, and it's and a lot of philosophers been... and Eastern philosopher, philosophers. Yes. and they're But they're just talking about how... That person, immortal that he's talking to is talking about how the immortals like to joke around. You can't take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, eternity is a mere moment, just long enough for a joke. Yeah. And I really love that. Uh, and it reminded me um, of some other books that we've read that, that one, The Elegance of the Hedgehog, where there's a quote in that about how like, oh, I'm having this eternal moment just sitting here making a cup of tea. To- yeah. And, and it's the same kind of idea, you know, that we're, our lives are both really silly and incredibly profound, and we we rarely grasp the whole picture, and that's just part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like beautiful and messy, um, and the best thing we can do for ourselves is give ourselves a break and have a laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I the, I love how when we talk about the books, I'm like, oh, now I enjoyed it. But I mean, I moderately tolerated <laughs> it, but like, I I felt like. This book, in ways that the previous book did not, delivered its message with brevity, delivered its message in a way that was understandable without a lot of history. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it reminded me almost some, not, not in, like, tone or anything, it reminded me a little bit of Crime and Punishment in that, like, it felt very human, Mm, yeah even though this one had magical like the tones are completely different like this one had magical realism and stuff that things happening but it felt very human yeah i think that's what i ultimately what i liked about it is that it felt like it captured something about the human experience even though i didn't like every part of it like there was something something true was in it and i don't even know if i could put that into like a a short sentence it's definitely racist like any book just just you know yeah, yeah, and there's uh, and there's weird stuff about communism in it, just like all these. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but it, it did something about that like internal, like your internal life, your internal struggle. That's universal. Mm-hmm. It really captured it, and it was it stood out, you know, because of that. Yeah, and I think it is one that I would think about. Like it ties in. Well, yeah. Okay, let's hang on. Let's decide. Do you think it belongs on the list? Yes. yes. I think Wow, that, I really didn't think you were gonna say yes to this one. I didn't like it very, all the way, but I think that it ties into the canon that I'm building in my head. Mm, yeah. Where I think a lot of these books should be capturing something of the human experience that is universal that um 
or not maybe not completely universal but that is relatable um outside of its moment in time Mm, yeah like it maybe speaks to a moment in time but it's relatable out of that moment in time or it speaks to a place but it's relatable outside of that place yeah that makes sense that as a reason for it to be on the list yeah Uh, i think besides everything else i've said i think i'm putting it on the list because out of all these 1920 books you read obviously like we haven't liked a lot of them or we haven't put them on the our list um this i think captures the idea the best so far and therefore it goes on the list yeah and I, could we just stop reading 1920s books? I found one I didn't absolutely hate. Let's it, like, se- it seems like it's a decade where there was pl- prolific <laughs> publishing and a lot of books deemed as special and important um, because a huge chunk of the 1001 seems to be from that era. And it's oh, like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of other decades out there. <laughs> there's hundreds of years. <laughs> yes, hundreds of years to choose from. It's um, fine. <laughs> Um, so that's our review and thoughts about Steppenwolf. Yeah, we should choose another book. Um, all right, our next book is called Malloy. That Ahoy! Is, that is very vague. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Malloy. I do. That is, I do just, just think rhyme. of. I just think of like a Irish guy saying "Ahoy" for some reason. Yeah. Um. So we will see what that brings. That's book number seventy. Yeah, uh, I'm and, excited. Yes. Until next time, you can email us at 1001bookspodcast or follow us on Litzy at 1001bookspodcast or... Or you can look us up on other social media at 1001bookspodcast. I'm going to say right now we're probably not updating it, but you should follow us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. Until then, happy, happy reading. reading.